0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A couple of months ago, we had the inspector general of the state of Pennsylvania on our show, Bruce Beamer, And now he returns, and we are grateful for that. Uh, Good morning, Mr. Inspector General.
1: How are you? I'm great. Good morning, Sue. How are you?
0: I am well. Now we can drop the formalities because we know you're one of us, right? So we can can be casual, right? That's right. Because you have roots in, in northeastern Pennsylvania, and we're happy about that.
1: I do, I do. I grew up in Clark Summit and went to Abington Heights High School, and uh, I'm a University of Scranton graduate, so uh, very very much a part of uh, Northeastern PA.
0: Now, the other day, there was a moment of great history for your office, and I don't know if a lot of people are aware of what happened, so I'd like you to explain it. And a lot of us were probably under the impression that you had kind of an established office and uh, nothing could happen to take it away but uh, according to the what the state codes that wasn't true
1: well yeah the uh, office was created by what's called executive order under governor casey in 1987 and the purpose was to do examinations and root out waste fraud and abuse and the operations of the state agencies and in pennsylvania government and in 1994 they added the responsibility to investigate and root out welfare fraud and related crimes and abuse and the problem was that the executive order which had been re-upped by every governor uh, since including governor wolf and kept the agency intact was that it Because it was created by executive order, it had limited power and authority, and the legislature had created a piece of legislation which has uh, since become known as Act 29 of 2017, which created the office statutorily. And it it was really a great thing to behold, particularly with everything that's going on in Harrisburg, the difficulty in getting a budget and other types of things, that it was a very bipartisan piece of legislation that was endorsed by the governor and signed into law in July, and it took effect on September 18th, which was this past Monday, and it does uh, a number of really important things for our office that, that the inspector general did not have Uh, previously. Um, It creates the agency as a what's called a limited law enforcement agency to investigate specific crimes under the crimes code. Uh, And that's a really, really important thing for for our agents and for our investigators, who I I know a lot of people often ask me in, in northeastern Pennsylvania and other places, you know, what are we doing about trying to combat such things as Food stamp trafficking and people unlawfully using those those food stamps for things other than than the food and the and, and the items for which they're intended. What are we doing about trying to combat and curb welfare fraud and some of the other types of fraud that we see around the state regarding long-term health care issues and subsidized daycare issues and those types of things? and you know now i can tell them you know we've we've been created as as a law enforcement agency we now have certain powers and authority to do very often more complex investigations we can issue search warrants and issue subpoenas uh we can uh now coordinate in ways with other law enforcement agencies that we weren't able to do so it's a really important thing and uh, it was a piece of legislation in- introduced by Senator Ryan Aument from down near Lancaster, and I, I think is, is is a bill that's going to really help the agency, help Pennsylvania uh, combat and curb fraud, and hopefully return a lot of money uh, to the coffers of of uh, the Pennsylvania General Fund that that what that were not there before.
0: So we know that uh, be- before this was all done, your office was good at moving on investigations and um, r- announcing the results, which you have on, y- on your website many, many times, of, of what you right. found in terms of a welfare fraud. And you seem to do this on kind of like a monthly basis. You put out a missive about uh, uh, what, what people have done. Uh, people are charged, you know, 73 here, 66 there, 68. 68- uh, in in May, how will this change? For instance, in those kind of investigations, how will this give you more leverage to move to investigate, let's say, uh, food stamp trafficking?
1: Right, and, and that's a, that's a great question. And I think one of the ways that that, that that things will change for us is you know I'm I'm really committed, particularly in, in certain areas of Pennsylvania, to holding accountable. Uh, those that create, an example for in food stamp trafficking, those that create a uh, demand for those items. In other words, we've got individuals often that are, are uh, poor or underprivileged who are taking their food stamps, uh, and they are going to vendors, to local uh, stores and other locations that uh, then accept the food stamp uh items that they're called EBT cards. Take that take those EBT cards, they get the PIN number, which is all you need to uh convert that into actual real dollars from uh the person who wants to sell it. If they say they have a hundred dollars worth of of uh stuff they can purchase on an EBT card, they'll sell it for fifty dollars to get the cash from the vendor. The vendor then has a hundred dollars they can use to purchase things on their own that they're not entitled to and they've only had to pay out fifty dollars. We want to do investigations that really go at the heart of of getting at those people that are that are preying on and creating a demand to traffic in these food stamps and the ways you do that are you're able to do traditional law enforcement investigations, which we really weren't able to do before. We might use undercover individuals you could use, do uh, other types of surreptitious uh, things to try to obtain evidence, and we we just were not able to do any of those things, and that was holding us back in a way. And we're really looking at at being as aggressive as we can in holding folks accountable that are profiting, uh, sometimes in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars of of Pennsylvania money that's supposed to go to individuals that need it, supposed to go to children that are hungry, and that that just at, you know, hasn't been happening in certain instances. And we're really looking uh, at taking you know a a very ag- aggressive, hard approach at, at going after folks that are going to be uh, using food stamps and others other uh, items as a way to profit as opposed to uh, you know a way to the, the way that they're meant to be intended
0: In a recent announcement uh, which was put out last week you talked about a, a bunch of individuals who have been uh, charged in uh, public assistance fraud mm-hmm. a lot of it is the the SNAP program and, and some of it is uh, a, a couple of different things but how does uh, medical assistance fraud get uncovered. Does that take somebody to say this doesn't look right? How does that work? It,
1: it, it can it can take a couple of a variety of forms. Uh, one way with with medical assistance that we we see quite often is a uh, we'll get a tip. Uh, we have a, a tip line that we utilize and uh we someone will call in and say we we know somebody is uh for example uh you know not being truthful on statements they're making about a need to obtain medical assistance they are uh defrauding uh, the uh government so to speak in what they're doing and we go out and we will investigate uh that information oftentimes speak to uh... nursing home providers we will go and we will speak to uh... individuals in the family to try to figure out whether or not this is in in fact the case and we we, we see this uh... over and over again unfortunately it's a very common thing where uh... folks are a- able to obtain medical assistance benefits when they uh, either are not entitled to the total amount of the benefits or they're actually engaged in a complete defrauding um, and they shouldn't be entitled to any benefits at all. So it's a it's a very, it's a very uh, unfortunately a more common problem than you than than you might think. Uh, and we, you know we also see situations where we have long-term care providers who are not uh, always uh, providing the appropriate documentation and maybe submitting uh, items that are not accurate or falsified in order to obtain Medicaid or other types of payments that they might not uh, be entitled to get for services that they never actually rendered. And so we we work quite a bit on those types of, that, that type of fraud, and we're hopeful to partner now that we're, we don't have a full law enforcement designation to partner with uh, agencies such as the Attorney General's Office and the United States Attorneys' offices in our in our in the relevant or respective areas about really going after some of this uh, in an aggressive way and you know like I said trying to get uh, not only hold these folks accountable but to recover money for the Commonwealth that's not being spent correctly.
0: All right, and that's my. It leads me to my next question. I mean, we see in the the headline on the piece from last week that uh, all these folks had been charged and that the the Commonwealth is owed uh, in this particular instance of an investigation of 73 people between July 1st and July 31st that you found that uh, $281,500 in restitution is owed. Uh, Bruce, it sounds like a lot of money. Do we really ever see it?
1: We we do, and uh, it's 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 important to note that we recover about uh, ninety million dollars, or keep about ninety million dollars a year. Uh, typically, this the Inspector General's office from actually leaving the Commonwealth and being paid out when it shouldn't. We have welfare fraud investigators. That investigate uh, before money's even paid out to make sure that people who are, you know, submitting documentation that that is not accurate or would not uh, permit them or entitle them to benefits, uh, that money is not paid out, and we we typically save about ninety million dollars a year over the. That's an average of the last three years from going out. It's always harder to recover money once it's been paid out, because then you have to go through the court process and the restitution process. But um, we've recovered, uh, recovered last year almost uh, in terms of all types of different fraud that's been recovered, you know, close to $20 million. So we do get money back. We're hoping to uh, do... Uh, larger scale investigations and go at folks that are, you know, uh, you know, oftentimes creating the demand in these in these markets for this, to and really uh, trying to recover as much money as possible. Can't sit here and say that we're, you know, we always get, you know, somebody who's ordered to pay money. It oftentimes can take several years before it's paid back, particularly through the court system. But we have been successful in uh, recovering the money, and we're going to continue to go out, out and fight that fight.
0: You have somebody out in uh, Erie County that was charged, and mm-hmm. these, these numbers are pretty high. $6,222 mm-hmm. in SNAP fraud, 29514 in medical assistance fraud, and then a, a 227 in in LIHEAP. Uh, are you right. familiar with the uh, particulars of that case?
1: I I I know I I did read the the affidavit of probable cause and it you know oftentimes the medical assistance fraud because that's obviously the number that was was the the higher mm-hmm. of those three numbers that you mentioned that is often the the, the case that the medical assistance fraud cases have very uh, often have much higher dollar amounts because of the extraordinarily high cost uh, of medical care and so oftentimes they are have fraudulently obtained uh the cer- certain kinds of services or other things that are you know oftentimes run into the tens of thousands of dollars so that's not uh not that unusual it is unusual that you have somebody you know where where you're talking about two or three different types of fraud at a time but we we do see it so and that's that's was one of those instances
0: uh, someone wants to know if you are hiring Fraud investigators.
1: We, we, you know, we because of the current budget situation, we are, are, you know, we're trying to keep our complement levels or uh, as close to where they are right now as we can, because the, as you know, we're still trying to figure out how how the uh, general fund and everything's going to be paid for. So we're we're right now we're trying to uh, keep that. Uh compliment as low as possible, but we do have attrition, and we are hiring uh at times when uh the, the need arises and this is certainly one of those times because we're converting to uh you know a law enforcement designation we're doing a lot of training and we're trying to get folks uh that have some of the you know oftentimes have a law enforcement background or can help us in that way so we're we're definitely always going to be on the on the lookout for folks who can help us combat waste, fraud, and abuse.
0: Are you seeing more individuals who are perhaps desperate because of economic times who engage in this kind of activity? I mean, what are you seeing an uptick in it? Are you? And I know you've been public about going after people. When you are public about it, do you think it discourages others from trying it because they know they could be charged? with some pretty heavy duty things depending on i guess the the value and uh, th- these are felonies these people could face right
1: yes yes we oftentimes uh, folks are are faced with felonies and it's it's on un- it's unfortunate uh i don't know that i I'd, I'd necessarily say that that there's an uptick at the moment i think that there uh, has been a period of time where uh, individuals maybe uh, felt like the there wasn't as much diligence and vigilance uh, looking into some of these things as as there there could have been. Um, now that we have uh, a little bit different enforcement authority, uh, really looking at getting the message out, not just so that the general public understands that we really mean business when we say we're going to combat this kind of waste and fraud and trying to, you know, recover money for the Commonwealth and make sure that money is not being uh, misspent, but that the folks that might be considering trying to cheat or not be truthful in order to obtain information or those that might be in business that are going to, might be willing to traffic in EBT cards because it could be very profitable, that there's a there's a good chance that we're going to be around the corner. We're gonna we're gonna be looking at what you're doing, and if we think you're breaking the law, we're going to investigate it, and you may very well be charged and, and have serious consequences to pay for that.
0: Anything else, Bruce? Before we let you fly today?
1: No, I just I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you and and to uh, talk uh, to my uh, hometown area, which I uh, still very much love. Very
0: good, and uh, thanks for the things that you do. Because we have a lot of people who say they see stuff like this all the time, and they wonder if if anybody cares. It, it certainly sees seems like your agency does. Maybe give out the tip number before we let you go if you have it handy.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah the the tip number. Um,
0: I know. I ask you to give phone numbers off the top of your head. That's probably the best thing let me i might have it let me see if i have it oh. um i believe it is 1-800-932-0582 you,
1: you got it am i hired
0: sorry. bruce i'm just kidding <laughs> all right well thanks a lot for doing the show and uh, again uh, it's great that you are there and it, it demonstrates to people that if they do have a concern there is a place to take it uh, so thanks for doing that
1: thanks so much Sue. We appreciate- all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time